like I said, I mean, my sister is in law enforcement. I'm a firefighter paramedic, like, but yeah, you I don't do Leo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, sometimes I, I wonder. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's unfortunately the only thing that does make the TV is like the Uvalde videos, which are <laughs> absolutely horrific. But I, I also feel like it, it's no different than um, – me being a paramedic, I've seen plenty of poor paramedics mm -hmm. and it's really based on the individual. And if they, you know, how much time they take to make themselves better, like, like your friend probably isn't one of those run of the mill guys who didn't do anything to make himself better. You know, mm -hmm. he wanted to be more prepared for those types of situations like yourself. So I imagine yeah, that's how it works in the law enforcement field. Yeah. And for me, just, you know, with my background and, you know, shooting more and, you know, of course, my background in BJJ and MMA, um, you know, and I've got my own personal experience that I put in where I know that my training saved my butt on more than one occasion. And it probably would not be here if I didn't have them, especially there have been multiple occasions on the jiu-jitsu side and also on the, the firearm side. And luckily, I just had that training to be able to handle those scenarios but when you see guys go down you wonder like was it just bad luck or did they just were they never afforded the training that could have saved them that so there's enough of it um that we need and it's probably honestly it's it's huge in the shooting um it's probably even bigger in the in the jiu-jitsu and defensive tactics world because obviously you know a lot of guys go through the whole career and never fire around um an actual any kind of combat scenarios but everybody they, is they, hands-on a lot of times yeah yeah so, going hands-on is what we do. I mean, we're called there because there's a problem and needs to be fixed. And that's what we're there for. And the lack of training on the jiu-jitsu and MMA and just the whole defensive tactics, martial arts side of the house, whatever you want to call it, is extremely low. And uh, it's just extremely poor. It's just unacceptable. Like, you know, in Florida, you can become a defensive tactics instructor with 80 hours of school, a 40-hour school on – defensive tactics and a 40 hours instructor school there's nobody out there that is efficient in 80 hours of training it's just not gonna happen and these are the ones that are teaching so you get a bad habit developed and an idea that's really not a good idea and then it just gets passed down and passed down and passed down because nobody's nobody's addressed it um you shouldn't be an instructor after you know you've been trained like there's a lot of people that become instructors and they haven't been training more than 80 hours and the 80 hours they receive aren't really that efficient so it's just and so my dissertation is definitely gonna be a little hard on some of that stuff um but i got plenty of you know plenty of interviews and other people outside myself and a lot of guys who talk about their lack of confidence and it's not their fault they they signed up they they want to do good and they want to be better and they don't know the difference they but you know, you put them through a six-month academy with two weeks of DT, two weeks of shooting, two weeks of driving, and a few months of legal, and give them a badge and gun and say, here, go save the world, go go fight crime. And now they're working seven out of 14 days and 12-hour shifts with families. I mean, they want to get better, but having, you know, it's really the agencies and the organizations out there need to take more responsibility to making sure they are better. And the, and the individuals do themselves, you know, I, I – I call them out all the time too. I'm like, we need to find a way. It's your job. It's your profession. 
it's it's what you do you know it could be the difference of you saving an innocent person's life or you coming home to your family so that's something you need to address yourself so there's a lot of guys on the law enforcement side that could do better but there's even a bigger need for the organizations themselves to take it upon them to make it easier for those guys to uh have the access to the training that that they really need so right it's literally the difference between being a volunteer and a professional you know yeah i mean you know amateurs practice till they can get something right professionals practice till they can't get something wrong just because you got something done one time in a class and a controlled environment does not prepare you right so it's just not real world so and, some and I, great but some not so good right and i imagine your dissertation is not a pointed thing at individuals it's culture you know the whole culture in general and how it needs to change and be more focused on certain areas so yeah i mean it's 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 you know it's it's what we do and it's not a popular subject internally a lot of times to sit there and look and be like you know realize people have been doing a job for 20 years and there's been a lot of mistakes they've been repeating during that time it's going to take a whole cultural change between new guys and leadership and people have been there for a long time be like yep this is a this is an issue we need to address here's how we're going to address it and then make that part of the culture for future generations because you know hopefully that'll and that'll build you know we're always going to be dogged on we're always going to get bad stuff from the media we're always you know it's it's been like that for a hundred years and it'll continue you know they just got to shut that noise out and do handle what you can do because if you're showing up for recognition you're not showing up for the right reasons anyway you need to find another you know another profession so talking switching gears getting into the mma side of things do you have an M uh, favorite mma fighter oh yeah i got a bunch um obviously <laughs> now it's definitely it, it's definitely jockeray just because i've got to train around him so much and see how hard he works and you know i know him on a personal level and uh, he's also taken a lot of extra time when I was brand new uh, training with him that he didn't need to to help me with certain things. And, um, you know, maybe if he if he catches me in a submission or something, he would always come back later and be like, hey, uh, Aquaman, which is pretty much what they all call me because none of them could speak English when I first started training there. <laughs> and, of course, I'm a narcotics guy, so my hair is down the middle of my back, my beard's long, I'm all tatted uh. up. None of them could really speak English, so... Uh, that's where the nickname the the local Aquaman <laughs> came from. So they they like to say it's. I've heard people say like, oh, it's because you have you know your cardio is one of your your strengths and you drag people to deep water. I'm like that sounds awesome. I wish that was the reason why I actually had that nickname. It's actually not because none of my coaches or training partners could hardly speak English and they just called me that. So um, yeah, that's how that that's how that nickname <laughs> came about. That's hilarious. Um, cardio story because uh it sounds cooler but that's actually not not where it comes from but um yeah you know he'd always take time to come back and be like hey this is where i caught you when you were passing my guard and you passed it this was a great move but here's the next step to get you to that next level to where you can pull off that submission or that arm bar you went for you were so close on but here's move an inch this way and this i mean these guys you know my coach yells all the time details 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 the the detail of how good these guys are is, is incredible and that's why they're you know the best in the world at what they do um because their details are just that much better um so outside of jockeray it's got to be charles um i Ooh. just 
fact that Charles came from the favelas there, you know, Brazil, which is essentially the super low income houses where they live with 10 roofs and dirt floors. And he, you know, loves to ride horses and do and go to rodeos and grew up kind of like I did. Um, but just happened to, you know, come up and, you know, he just went at the UFC at 19, really young, trying to make money, you know, and obviously he was, his, he was kind of even, I think he was like, you know, what was he five and five or six and six or something when he first started in the UFC. So he won some fights and he'd lose some and, you know, he was this big hype and then it just kind of went away. He was kind of forgotten about, um, but he just kept grinding and he always had amazing jujitsu and then his Muay Thai started improving, improving, improving. And his jiu-jitsu obviously just kept getting better, even though it was already world-class. And then all of a sudden, he comes out of nowhere. And, I mean, in the, you know, last, you know, before he just lost uh, to, you know, for the fight in Abu Dhabi there, he had beat, what was it, four of the top five pound-per-pound pound or, you know, ranked lightweights in the world. I mean, talking about, I mean, amazing fighters like Poirier and you know yeah. Chandler and all these guys you know, in a row who are in yeah. the prime of their careers as well um and he's just so tough you know like all his fights he gets knocked down and stunned and they're like oh he's done and all of a sudden he just comes out of nowhere and hits him with submission or or knocks him down and finishes him so um he's just such a complete fighter he's got no holes so uh definitely Charles would be my would be my my active pick for sure. Okay. Now, so what are your thoughts on um, shoot, Makachev? He's a beast. He's the real deal, man. I mean, all those guys, those Dagestan guys, man, are just incredible fighters. They're so strong. They're, they're Sambo and their Judo and their boxing. It's just always on point. Um, and then, of course, you know, he's coached by Khabib, who has taken right in his father's footsteps and has just this amazing eye for fighters and what they need and how to pick people apart and how to beat them. And I'm a shoot-a-box guy myself, but you got to give credit where credit's due. He said what he thought, the, how they could beat Charles, and he did exactly that. He was going to hurt him with some big punches on his feet, and they were going to go to the ground, and he had good enough uh, grappling to be able to finish him while he was hurt. You know, that was the key thing. He kept saying, oh, you know, people are like, oh, he's, he can out, he can out grapple Charles. He never actually said that. He just said that he knew he could finish him on the ground. So, um, and he did. And you got to give him credit. I mean, those guys are, those guys are legit and they're hungry. Um, you know, so uh, he's, he's going to be a threat to run that division for a very long time. I would love to see Charles come back and get another shot at him. Um, and I would not be surprised at all if Charles could beat him and that becomes this new awesome trilogy. But, right, boy, outside I, of Charles in that division, that's a th This episode is brought to you by Laser App, L-A-S-R App. They specialize in laser dry fire training, super convenient and not to mention super cheap. You can use anything for a dry fire target and any device with a camera for capturing the laser hits. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. And it's veteran-owned, Semper Fi, Ben. You can utilize multiple targets and multiple cameras. It can be as complex or as simple as your heart desires. They even sell steel challenge banners. They sell cert guns. And the cert 
AR Bolt so you can practice indoors with your AR for free. There's a newsletter and a forum you can join. When you sign up for the newsletter, they'll send you a free six-part video series. Check out their website. It's a smorgasbord of items to make you better faster. Use the affiliate link on our website or at the bottom of our podcast notes and on YouTube for a 15% discount. Also, use our coupon code in the store for 10% off of other items not necessarily covered by our affiliate link. Thanks for your support, everyone. Without your support, this podcast would be difficult to maintain. That's a tall order to be him. It, it really is. I totally agree. Yeah, and just to go back to what you were saying and what we were talking about, he beat Gagey by submission, Poyer by submission, Chandler by TKO. He decisioned Ferguson, but he submitted Kevin Lee, knocked mm-hmm. out Jared Gordon. Nick Lentz got knocked out. I mean, it's name after name. Yeah, 10 or 11 in a row, I mean, wins. Yeah. At yeah. the top of the division. So, yep. and I mean... And they were decisive. Even the Tony fight, he won like every round. I don't, I don't think he lost a round in that fight on the judges' scorecards. He may have lost, may have lost one of the rounds or something. But I'm pretty sure that was a, like a, you know, 40, 49, 46 type of fight. So I mean, and Tony's one of the toughest dudes and best lightweights to ever live. I mean, yeah, I know he's only ever had the interim title and blah blah blah. But Tony is a monster of a fighter. Yeah, no. Amazing. Tony didn't win. Tony didn't win a round. It was thirty twenty six yeah. across the board. Yeah, there you go. So and that so he had a two, dominating you had fight. Round there. Yeah, yeah, he had a eight round in there. So, yep. Um, yeah, you know Charles is just yeah he's he's incredible. So he's definitely my pick, my current favorite. Um, and I'll be curious to see when he comes back. I know I, there's rumors that he's gonna be fighting again in Brazil in February. Um, there's a lot wow. of guys. That- on that card so it would be a very quick turnaround so i don't think it's been set but that's been kind of one of the things that's been floating around and um of course you know islam's gonna fight um alexander next you know for the 155 title so he's got that on his plate but i think that's set for february in australia so it is um, yeah it'd be could be next year that charles you know wins a fight and and if he wins his next fight uh depending on who wins uh, the 155 belt, I don't see any reason why Charles shouldn't get another shot uh, right away to fight for the belt again. So, Yeah, I don't see why not either. I mean, um, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday where, you know, I, I think of all the other people other than Charles. I was like, the only one I see who I think has a technique that could be would be gagey just because his leg kicks and power. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Khabib, Khabib said that, you know, he's the – nobody hit him harder than gagey did. Yeah. So, I mean, styles um, styles make matchups, right? I mean, they there's do. guys and – you, and, you know, you look at Islam and you're like – you know, you look at D- like Dustin, his jiu-jitsu is incredible, and you're like, yeah, I don't see him submitting Islam though. And you're like, you know, on their feet, mm-hmm. pretty, you know – Ah, what's gonna happen? Um, you know, you look at Chandler being a great wrestler, he's not gonna out grapple him either, and I don't see him, you know, landing. Um now if Tony had been in his prime and hadn't been on, you know, the downhill, he's older obviously. If Tony had been in his prime, right. that would have been a, that would have been a matchup and a half. because um, I think Tony could have beat anybody at any time that's ever fought at lightweight 
when he was in his prime, you know, I mean, he may not be the best, you know, ever, but he's up there as one of the most dominant guys ever in that division. So, um, but Gaethje hits like a truck, man, that guy strikes. And, and if you kind of look at the way Islam fights, um, and also Gaethje can wrestle. So, you know, he would have to take him down. I don't think he wants to stand and bang with him for five rounds because you could get just like you just saw with Adesanya, you know, a four rounds of him taking it to him and then just Gaethje, just like Alex, all he's got to do is catch you once. Right. He catch you once. He can knock well, out anybody in the planet in that weight class. So. Yeah, and, and the, the big thing I was saying, too, about Gagey is he's got nasty leg kicks. Mm-hmm. So if there's a guy that could, you know, somewhat neutralize wrestling, it would be someone who's got those nasty leg kicks and hits hard. But yeah, I mean, he doesn't have the grappling to come anywhere near him. So, you know, it just but all he's a really tough, one tough dude. So, yeah, he could be one of those things where he survives two or three rounds and you get up and, you know, he's down the scorecards 10 9 every round. But all of a sudden he's been hammering that front leg and he's not got the same spring for the takedowns. And all of a sudden he catches you with one of his hooks. And all of a sudden, it's a different fight. And then, you know, that's like he caught Charles. I mean, he almost had Charles. Gaethje did. Yeah. He, yeah. And Charles said it. He's like, that dude hits like a truck. So Did he, he was, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> lucky to survive that. Um, so, yeah. I mean, Gaethje's, Gaethje's one of those guys. He's just a fighter, man. He's that, you know, a puncher's always got a chance. And that dude's a puncher. So, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of, you know, he's, a puncher's always got a chance. He may, you know, he may not win. But that dude's always got a chance, um, and he's he's definitely one of those guys, for sure. Yeah. Uh, now you mentioned something. Um, you're getting you took a fight at heavyweight to get out of a contract you were in, or to finish a contract. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. to complete a contract you were in, so you could get into the contender series. Are we talking about Dana White's contender? Yeah, yeah, that's been the next goal. So I've got really good management and with my coaches, and he's got you know, obviously really great connections and stuff. So and uh, the UFC needs big guys. Um, so you know, there's not a lot of heavyweights, and there's even less 205ers out there. So um, that's our that is definitely our goal. Um, you know, my last fight I took, we jumped in. I ended up breaking my hand on the very first punch. Um, uh, so that. And the guy was a huge, big, strong guy, and I just could not keep him from taking me down once I was pretty much one-handed. And uh, I tried, <laughs> but <laughs> um, the ended up breaking this bone here, and the you know the bone was pretty much sticking out, and uh, had five screws and a plate. Um, wow! Put in, and uh, that has to stay there. Um, so uh, it was a nasty break. So, but I'm healed up from that and feeling good, and. Um, looking at fighting I'm, I'm in shape so i would take one actually just almost took a fight um just last week on six days notice uh at 205 up in new york city um but uh end up wanting to do a catch weight and they end up finding another guy that was actually a true 205 or because we were gonna have to fight a catch weight of like a 220 so they ended up taking another fight so we're eyeing um January, February, but yeah, that's that's definitely the goal, is to wrap these up and get back on the winning side, and then go take a shot at that contender series and 
see what uh see what happens from there now when you take a a fight on six days notice it was it because of your weight that you would have to do the catch weight yeah so i was i was weighing in 242 roughly right around there so making it to 206 uh would have been a challenge and i wasn't in camp either so even though i'm always training like i'm in camp because i just i think it's a waste of time people get out of shape and blah 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 i'm like you know i'll work on specific things um maybe to where i might not doing shark tank twice a week but i mean i just did shark tank like wednesday night the other night so um or last night excuse me uh just did it so uh, i like to stay in shape i think it's a waste of time not to at least stay in pretty good shape and always be ready because you never know when this call is going to happen i mean you remember that kid in the ufc last year that fought o'malley that came out of nowhere and took the fight on like six days notice and all of a sudden goes from this guy no one's ever heard of really outside of his region to fighting the number whatever sean was ranked like number nine in the world at that time and he was on the main card right uh, and fought him for freaking three rounds and i mean it was like a 10-8 round every round but dude stood in there and hung tight and i mean it's because he was in shape i mean he got he got a huge opportunity he got a ufc contract after that and he's a huge fan favorite his instagram and everything imploded because he's just such a tough dude and i mean he went from fighting on the regional circuit to jumping in with a top 10 guy in the world in your weight class on a ufc main card and did an amazing job i mean just took damage like i've never seen anyone take damage at a fight this episode is brought to you by gun butter gun butter is a premier lubricant for your rifle or pistol they have grease for parts that need it like lugs on a bolt gun man do i love a bolt gun it's a proprietary blend that they won't even trademark so as not to have to give away their trade secrets. Check out the video I put up on YouTube. Uh, look for another one coming soon. I even ran into Rick Powers, an RO at Carry Optics Nationals. He switched to it after listening to our podcast with Mason Litchfield. He loves it. Rob Epifania uses and loves it. Frank Shu uses it and loves it. Use Casual Shooter 20 and save 20% on checkout and hang in there and uh you got to give respect to some dude like that so you just never know when those opportunities are going to come up and um but for my thing you know i was like ah, oh, let's do it you know and then my coaches are like mm, we're gonna cut 30 something pounds have to fly up there so he's like let's uh they said they'll do 220 so as we were negotiating the the contract they actually would because the guy had came in from from moscow so they had spent a lot of money oh. to bring guy to new york city and bring this undefeated guy in from moscow who needs a fight and he's sitting there and uh you know he's from moscow and you know got a really good resume behind him so they wanted to make sure they got him a fight so they were actually able to find another natural 205er to jump in while we were in our uh negotiations but say hey we need someone that wants to we need someone who just wants to show up and fight and dana white's talked about that there's been a lot of guys who have boosted their career just because they're ready to fight at a moment's notice moment's notice yep now so are there any plans to maybe try to keep the weight closer to 205 like maybe 225 or something like that so that if you get a short notice fight you could cut the weight yeah, I've actually I've got a dietitian right now that um is sponsoring me that 
that I work with. And my goal is to get to about 230. Um, I feel really comfy at 230. I don't lose too okay. much strength. Keep my cardio and stuff. So walking around around 230 would be ideal um, for me. And then the weight cuts, really not that bad um, to get down to 205. Um, but if you talk to my coaches, of course, like I think we had that side conversation. Like talk about Alex. He's like, oh, you're fine. You know, two, two, you know, that's, you know, 36 pounds. You know, what is that? You know, you know, 15 kilos, no big deal. You know, I mean, also talking about a guy who walks around 235 pounds and fights at 185. So, um, <laughs> you know, does these crazy cuts and the Brazilians are known for that. I mean, Charles walks around at 185, 190. Good you Lord. Know? Yeah. I mean, and he's not out of shape. It's not that these guys are. You know, I think Chandler, if I'm not mistaken, walks around at 180 plus, you know, and I know Charles does. I mean, we asked him one time on the phone. They said he was 190 and it's not like he's out of shape. He's just a just a big dude. He's 5'10", 190. That's what he weighs. And he makes it to 155. So just like prayer making, you know, fighting Izzy, walking around at 6'4", 234 and then dropping down and making 185. Yeah, that's crazy. And on fight night, yeah. And then on fight night, he's. In the two twenties, so yeah, that's that looks nuts. bigger. He is that much bigger. <laughs> yeah, he is a monster of a man to be fighting at middleweight. Yeah, yeah and, I mean, and at the same time, I've never seen anybody that first round, that first jab when I saw him hit Izzy in the face. I'm like, nobody's ever touched Izzy like that ever in the UFC in the octagon. Nope, nope. no one like, ever. Has. Oh, this is different. Yep, it is. He's just so big. And, you know, you can go back and, you know, you, I mean, you've seen my size. You can go back and look at pictures of me hanging out with Jacare. We look pretty damn similar sized. And he's a middleweight. You know, you, I gave a, I had messaged, uh, I think it was JJ, actually, Rikaza, who, who commented on something like, that's some big heavyweights. And I, I remember a message him just, you know, between him and I. I was like, hey, you know what's funny, bro? I'm like, that's a middleweight and a light heavyweight. We was talking about me and Jacare. I'm like, I'm a light heavy, really. He's a middleweight, and uh, the other guy in the picture, uh, I can't remember who it was, was like a was like a welter, but you know he walks around like 205. So I'm like, you know what's funny is <laughs> none of us are heavyweights. I mean, realistically, and Jacare's a middleweight, and the other dude's a welter. So, um, wow. He gets a message back. He's like, that's you know, insane. So, and uh, people yeah, just I... big guys are. I mean, I wrestled a couple of years, you know, growing up. Um, but I didn't try cutting a whole lot of weight because I was I was growing too much at the time. So, but I so I can't I can't fathom that type of a that amount of a weight cut. Yeah, uh, I, I don't like it for amateurs. I definitely like high school kids doing it. Like if I was in charge of athletic associations, you'd be weighing in right before you off. wrestle, and that'd be about it. Um, there would be no off. cutting weight like I did in high school. I just don't think it's good for you. But, I mean, and we know it's not that good for us. It can be damaging your liver and other things and all. But, I mean, the UFC, Kidneys, yeah. like organizations, like my last organization, I was cutting fight. The doctor's walking in, peeking his head and like, you know, checking on you and making sure you're good. Um, the doctor, you know, or, you know, he, he did the stoppage with, um, uh, you know, there a while back on some of the fighters where he walks in. He's like, no, they're, they're done. They're not going to make weight, um, whatever the case may be. So um, you see that a lot. I mean, I don't think it should be ever an amateur, but, I mean, we're, we're professionals. We're fighting for money and 
a lot of things on the line, so you just got to do what you got to do at, at this level. I don't like it at the amateur level, but the professionals, it's, it is what it is. It's just a part of the game. Right. I mean, Chemayev, doctor told him to stop cutting weight. Yeah, so. yeah. That's why he couldn't fight Nate, so he's too big. Yeah. He's cutting weight, and they said, you got to stop. Your body's stopping, and you're going to have issues, and they stopped it. So. Yeah, I, I didn't think that was going to be a very competitive fight anyway. Uh, I loved the Tony and Nate fight way more. I wish that just would have been the go-to from the beginning. I think it would have sold a lot more pay-per-views and had a lot more points yep. because two of the legends of the sport that everybody respects, they're two great guys. Um, so I, I would have rather just seen that been the headline in a swan song fight, possibly for both of them. So, because that's two future first, that should be two future Hall of Famers right there stepping in the cage together. I think that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah I would kind of like the, kind of like the Diaz Jorge Masvidal fight. You know, yeah. So now you Same. have Tony and Nate. Yeah, that would yeah. be much better. Yeah, much better fight to me. So, because GMF or however you say that dude's name, that's that dude's good. <laughs> that dude's really, really good. Yeah. So. He is. Hey, um, there's a lot of people, you know, talk about him being the f really the first legitimate threat of being a triple champ. So possibly 170, 170, 185, and 205. Now, if you know, 205 is a different world because you got, you know, we saw what happened with Izzy went to 205. That's yeah. a different, that's just a different size of human. You get guys like Blockwitz who are 245 and are cutting to 205. I mean, you know, you got my size, you know, he's over 240 walking around and he's barely under the heavyweight limit. He's making 205. So that's a little bit, could be a little bit of a stretch, but I mean, that guy's really good. So who knows, but he's definitely a huge threat at 170 and 185. So, so yeah, for sure. So I, I'm going <laughs> to, I can't wait to get to this one. I, so I'm going to jump ahead. There's more fighters and fights that I want to talk about, but John Jones as a heavyweight. Uh, John Jones is so good. He can fight any weight class. It doesn't matter. Um, I don't like his personal antics. I don't like how he represents the sport. I don't like any of that. So you don't even want to ask me about any of that kind of stuff because I lost a lot of that respect. And I'm like, that's why I like probably, you know, I'm more of a Daniel Cormier fan. I think he's a family guy who's represented himself well. He's represented his country well in the Olympics. He's represented himself inside and outside the octagon incredibly. So, um, you know, I'm huge fans of guys like that. So, um, probably never going to cheer for John Jones ever unless he has this huge life turnaround and changes a lot of people's opinions about him. Um, but if you look at what he's done inside the octagon, it's incredible. So, uh, he's definitely a, a legitimate threat at heavyweight. That is such a big jump, though. I would like to see how he moves and looks. I mean, all you've seen is videos. I don't think anyone knows till we actually see him fight, if you're being realistic. Um, but would it surprise me if he comes out there and just walks in and wins the UFC heavyweight championship and dominates that for a while? It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all because he's, he's that good. Yeah, his fight IQ is through the roof. Mm -hmm. And his abilities. And, I mean, the guy, yeah, I know he's only a D2 wrestler, which keep in mind wrestling, no matter what division and what school you wrestle at there's so few of collegiate wrestlers that if you were a collegiate wrestler you were a damn good wrestler no matter what because it's you know you you know you just don't make it to a collegiate wrestling program without being a, a great wrestler um but 
he had issues when he was in high school and stuff, and he probably would have went to a, a bigger university and been a D1 champ too. I think he was a D2 national champion wrestler, but he dominated. He's dominated everything athletically he's done um, in that world. He's got, you know, obviously good genetics. He's got, what, two or three brothers in the NFL? Or yeah. athletic NFL. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But I also wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he goes out there at heavyweight and he's just a different fighter. Like, you know, Daniel Cormier was a different fighter. He was a much better heavyweight than he was a 205, even though he's an amazing 205 guy. The only reason he ever got out of the heavyweight division is because Kane was dominating the division then, and they were they were buddies and training partners, and he was never going to fight Kane, and he, so he went to 205. I mean, they were in the same camp and really good friends, so you got to respect them for that, and that's how he even went to 205. Um, but Daniel Cormier was much more dominant at heavyweight than he was at, at light heavyweight, I think, even as good as he was at light heavy. So it'll be interesting to see how how he does. Um and especially if you know if he fights I would like to see him I think Stipe is actually beats him faster than Naganu. I mean Naganu can obviously catch him, but John Jones is so good um at his striking. I, I think, you know, unless Naganu catches him, he's gonna be tough to knock out. Um, but Stipe's got such good boxing and such good hands. He's someone that could, if he puts leather on him, he could potentially actually be the more likely one to, to beat Jones at heavyweight. So I would really see John Jones and Stipe go at it. Plus, I think Stipe is so underrated that it's not even funny. And he's kind of always been a sideshow to the UFC, and he should have been someone they promoted. He's a, a great guy. He's a family guy, a firefighter, still was part-time up working as a firefighter he's just a great guy and the problem is he wasn't like controversial enough he just went out in the octagon and beat every single person he faced because he's just good at it and he didn't do anything crazy flashy there wasn't stuff outside so he kind of always got pushed to the side and it really annoyed me i'm a huge stipe fan um personally and professionally i think he's he is the heavyweight goat hands down um right now and the only person you know He's. I would like to see him come back. I would love to see him fight Jones, and I'd like to see him fight Nagano again. I don't know how he is physically. You know, he's obviously. I think he's almost forty now, or is forty. So I don't know if he's the same condition-wise. But if he is, I would like to see him come back and fight Nagano um, again. But I also love to see him fight fight Jones. So, and I hope he gets paid really, really well because he deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, he was one of those. I think he. He's so such a quiet guy. I think that worked against him on the hype train. You know what I mean? He didn't talk because, crap. He didn't throw stuff in press conferences. He just sat there and, you know, he had his post-fight interviews. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go home and retile my kitchen or something. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> just a normal, right? You know, just a normal, really cool dude. And, uh, yeah, I think he's always been under underrated and underappreciated as a fighter and just how good he, he really is. I, I think, um, and it's funny cause I had John Jones or Francis Ngannou, who would you take or, and Jones or Stipe. So you've answered that. The, the one thing that I think has really helped Jones and everything. And he uses it really well is his length. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, you know, a front kick, um, leg kicks, just his ability to stay outside. If he retains any of his quickness that he had at 205, I, I think he's the hardest person to beat in that division. Regardless of, and look, Nganu has 
freakish strength. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you look at, you know, Francis with his last fight with, you know, Sarah Ogon, and I'm a huge Sarah Ogon fan too, um, but he was getting beat on his feet the first two rounds and first couple minutes in the third round. So he was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to muscle him down and hold him down and punch him in the face. He just added that new element to his game. And Cyril Gon's got good jiu-jitsu. He's got good heel hooks and stuff and all that he's done in, in UFC and finished guys on the ground. So it's not like he's any kind of slouch because um, nobody at that level is a slouch in anything. They might just have something they're really, really good at. Um, but, you know, Francis you know, goes and does that big takedown and then change the entire element of the fight and won the fight. Not as exciting as everybody was hoping it would be, but he did exactly what he needed to do and won. Um, but Jones... Is not going to be taken down like that, and he's no. going to have zero gone type ability to front kick you and keep his hands down and move around and, and snap those front kicks and throw those knees and elbows and then circle out and pivot out. Um, and unless something just freakish happens, you're probably you're not taking John Jones down. Daniel Cormier struggled to take John Jones down. He's one of the greatest yes. ever fighting UFC. Yeah. So you're not going to John Jones took Cormier down. Exactly. A couple times. So, you know, I depend on his, you know, I would be like, say, I'd be really curious to see. I think Naganu versus him is not as good a matchup as Stipe versus Jones. I think um, Stipe's got the better chance to beat John um, because he's got similar length. He can throw leg kicks. He can check. He's tough. And he's going to get in close and he can maybe use dirty boxing and um, he's super athletic and fast and quick as well. So I think Stipe and Jones would be the better matchup as far as seeing who won. But, I mean, him and Nagano would be a great matchup too because Nagano can knock out anybody at any time and he can hit you from all the way across the octagon because he's got this crazy reach. Um, and if he catches you right, he's the same thing. He's going to knock you out. And he's, I mean, he's the champ for a reason. So I still think it would be a great fight. I just would really like to see uh, Stipe and Jones for Jones's entry-level fight and Stipe get paid like he should have been getting paid his whole career so <laughs> yeah yeah that I that would be a good fight to watch so yeah. now we talked a little bit about um Izzy and Pajeda so I know you're a, a Brazilian guy fan um how do you think he does against a Whitaker? Um, I'm trying to think of the Italian guy, and I, can't, I just had a complete brain fart. Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm <laughs> same thing. yeah. Uh, he just fought Izzy not too long yeah. ago. Shit. So he, he, he can beat anybody at any time. Um, he's got very underrated jiu-jitsu. I can tell you that. I've seen that firsthand. Um, you know, I know he just was given his brown belt, um, but you saw him survive with, with Izzy on top of him and stuff uh, on the ground there in that fight. So he's got very underestimated jiu-jitsu. And the thing about him, he's so new to MMA. I mean, he's only been fighting in the MMA, MMA for, what is it, 18 months or two years. So um, he's going to continue to get better. And he is so big at that weight class. Um, he's going to be hard to beat for a long time. I think the best chance of anybody beating him is a rematch with Izzy and Izzy doing exactly what he did this fight and just fixing a few of those mistakes where he got caught and winning by decision but man fighting that guy for five rounds and not getting caught is gonna be tough I mean he's gonna be hard to finish 
And it's going to be hard. I'm not saying Izzy could – I mean, it could be the same thing. Izzy can go out there and beat you for the first four rounds, but you got to survive that guy for 25 minutes and not get caught with that high-level striking and that yeah. heavy of strikes. That's a tall order. So uh, I could see him being the champ there for for a long time and also another guy who could very easily move up to 205 and be a big yes. threat because he is huge. So Yeah, he- he could literally be a, a dual champion, one eighty five, two hundred five. Yeah, so. absolutely. So he's a he. I love Whitaker. He's un, unreal, but man, that guy's just—he's huge. <laughs> Fighting him and taking him down when he just has a good, solid knowledge of his jiu-jitsu and his wrestling, being so big, you know, for that weight class and the the level of striking he has. I mean. Technically speaking, he's second to probably Izzy in that division at technical striking, but he's probably the overall best striker, as you saw in this last fight, because he just hits you so damn hard. So, um, yeah, he's 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 going to be tough to beat. I think the best chance of anybody beating him is Izzy coming back and rematching and beating him by decision. Yeah, I, I, said, I felt um, that Izzy's best chance was to use his speed, stay on the outside, don't get caught against the cage, you know what I mean, and just use his speed and because his reaction is very good. Oh, he's got um, amazing head movement, and and you saw that. I mean, he hurt, he hurt him a couple times as he put it on him, right? And uh, even the end of that first round, and I was like, okay, like, you know, maybe he's different, but he just got caught against that fence, and he caught that big left hook, and. There's, I mean, there's only, I mean, you saw he stayed on his feet. I mean, the guy's incredibly tough. This is a tough dude. All that stuff that people think he's not a tough guy, that's just because he dominates everybody with his striking and makes it look easy. That's not because he's not tough. I mean, the right. guy stayed yeah. on his feet, but, I mean, he was just, like, you know, the but lights then, were, nobody was home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, no, that was a good stoppage. That that, yeah. that fight needed to end. Um, you have to stop that there, yeah. But I also feel that, I like, I don't know when Alex would fight again, but that's just – you know what another four six eight months of him and glover doing groundwork i Mm -hmm. I don't you know he glover on the ground is is amazing so those two training together like that man alex's ground game is just going to get better and look you just said it you said it i mean izzy izzy was holding him down you know riding his wrists and stuff Mm-hmm. Glover's going to be like, we're going to train on that so that doesn't happen again. So nobody else is going to be able to do that again because nope. they're going to make sure he knows how to defend it and get up. So now they've seen fight film where, okay, we now know where your weaknesses are. We're mm-hmm. going to correct that and make everything else better too. Ah, right. It it just gets scarier and scarier. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. I mean, there's rumors about him and – uh, Chimev or whatever, how you know, coming in and fighting in Brazil in February. I know he was calling for that fight, but I don't see that happening because I think Glover and them are going to say, No, we need more time to improve your wrestling, improve your jiu-jitsu, improve your defense because um, he's going to get tested there. No one's going to stand and bang with him. Um, they're going to test him on his wrestling and his grappling, and you get a Sambo type guy like that. That, that right now to me would be his biggest threat. Yeah, if he was to fight him right now, so I'd rather see him hold off and improve that portion of his game before he he gets back in there with someone like that. Because 
um, and give Glover and his camp time to improve all those things. So, Absolutely. I mean, Jock Rable, he's like, man, his jiu-jitsu is super underrated. I mean, when we were when we were hanging out the last time he was here and Jock Ray was in there with us, he's like, yeah, man, he's like, his jiu-jitsu is good. I mean, it's it's really good. I mean, he's a legitimate grappler on the ground, too, and he's so big and strong that, you know, he just, you know, gets a few things cleaned up. I mean, he could be on top of that division for a very long time. You know, what did you think of uh, Whaley Zhang and Carla Esparza? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, those, both those girls, man, are, are awesome, but... Uh, it wasn't as wasn't as quite as exciting as long as I thought it was gonna as gonna be. Um, but I felt I felt it went exactly as I expected. I kind of figured I, it was kind of just gonna be like a, a dominant one side performance, and it was. Yeah. And you yeah. know, she's so strong, man, so strong. Um, I you know, I kind of feel like. It's really just her and Rose at the top of that division, and yeah, and I I give her the the edge and strength and striking, and I mean she mm -hmm. got she got knocked out with a head kick, but I don't think that happens every time they fight, you know. No, no, them fighting again, I think she beats Rose. If I had to bet, I would. I do I would, too. Much of a fan I am of Rose and her, you know, her striking, and um, I would have to bet on bet against her unfortunately in that route because she also like she's improved some as well so you know people forget that they're like oh like you know these guys these girls and guys that are fighting are also constantly improving and one little aspect can change their entire career i mean look at charles coming from where he did i mean yes he right. jumped in the UFC at 19 but then you see him beating the best guys in the world consistently where before he was losing one of every other fight or two in a row he improved i mean so just because they're at the top of the game doesn't mean they're not going to improve certain aspects, and that may make them a total different challenge. Yep. So who do you think wins a rematch between Leon Roberts and Kamaru Usman? I think Usman. I love Leon Edwards. I think he's a cool guy and that kind of stuff, but Usman yeah. is he is the man. And he just got caught. I mean, he's been fighting the best fighters in the world and just dominating that division for how long now? I mean, he just you're going to get caught eventually. If you fight enough guys and you fight enough high-level guys, it's not – boxing, it's possible, but it's not the same. There's so many different things that can happen, so many different ways you can get finished. You know, I think MMA is the hardest combat sport to stay on top of and to consistently win at. And he just got caught. He won the first four rounds. <laughs> and he was winning that fight handily. He was about to, you know, be, you know, and then we'd have never yeah. heard of Leon's name again because he would have beat him twice. And as great as Leon is, he'd have just been put back in the mix and he would have been, you know, kind of like Whitaker is now with Izzy on top, just kind of hanging around as that, like, number one guy, just kind of fighting people that want to fight him, like that next step because he already had his, his couple shots. Um, so, yeah, I see Usman beating him. Uh, if they fight again, and then uh, him him win him winning, yeah, Usman's he's the man as far as all around. He's to me, he's still number one, number two, pound for pound in the world. So I mean, he can't be right now. As I know he just lost, but if I was to rank him in the world, it's he's number one or number two still. So 
Yeah, I don't know where I got Roberts from. <laughs> it's obviously Edwards. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, duh. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. And I think I, I look at um, Usman being similar to Charles in that Charles had his grappling game before he got his striking game. Uh-huh. Usman the same way. You know, he, he relied on his wrestling and as his striking has improved, he's become much more dynamic like Charles. Yeah. And, like, when you saw him knock out Jorge, it was because Jorge's hands were down because he's so worried about the takedown. So that makes your striking that much better. Like, if someone yeah. is concerned about one element in your game and you improve that other one just a tiny bit, it makes you look really, really good where you knock out one of the best brawlers that's ever fought in that division. And, you know, when he knocked out Mazdaval, so who's a super tough guy and one of the best just far as just a fighter – I mean, the guy can fight anyone and do well in the world, and he just knocked him out. I mean, just cleaned his clock. But if you look, Jorge's the whole time leaning over and moving, and he's ready to defend the shot and to stay off the cage because that's his game plan. And then all of a sudden he just comes with a big right hand over the top and catches you. So, um, you know, and and, that, and that's going to be the same for all the fights now on. You always got to be worried about his takedown and his ability. So, and then all of a sudden your hands drop or, you know, you get the wrong flinch and then there comes this big two down the middle yeah. and get fights over. Yeah, he sets you up, you know, gives you the flinch. You think he's going to drop levels and next thing you know, boom, you're knocked out. Boom, and you're knocked out. And if he dumps you on your back, good luck. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Not a good place to be. So I had a question. I've, I'm in the boat of Joe Rogan in this one. Uh, I've been saying this for a few years now. I feel like the UFC needs to restructure their weight classes. I feel like they need to add a 65, move 70 to 75, add a 95, and then maybe even do something with um, heavyweight. Maybe do like a, to steal a, a division name from boxing, maybe a cruiserweight from 205 to 225 and then heavyweight. 225 to 265 maybe even a super heavyweight beyond that yeah i definitely the heavyweight um and that's just not for me because i'm in that realm it's such a big jump and you got so many of these guys that are like 235 240 that are really really good you know then you try to stay at heavyweight when they got to fight a dude who maybe 280 cutting weight yeah 265 and then it's a rough weight at 205, and your frame just doesn't handle that very well. So I, I definitely would like to see a cruiserweight of 185 to 200, and he's got a head as big as yours. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the big boy. Yeah, yeah. he's a yeah, he's a big. <laughs> but yeah, I'd love to see. I definitely would do. I do 185 to two, and then two to 220. And then 220 to 265, I'd throw a super heavyweight in there too, just because I think it's hilarious to see these big giant monster <laughs> mountain guys fight each other like they do in Europe. Because, you know, in places in Europe, that's super popular. Um, you know, you have these giant dudes fighting. I mean, yeah, they're only going to most likely fight for 30 seconds for their winded, but I mean, damn it, they're entertaining. So, right. um, called a super heavyweight, that would be kind of cool. I mean, it wouldn't be very popular, but it would be kind of cool. Um, they well, would definitely to find guys for it, but. I would definitely add, I would do 185 to 200, and then 200 to 220 would be the first thing I would do, and I'd be fine with them restructuring 55 to 65 and up to, you know, 75 to 87 or whatever, 85, and that to 200, 200 to 220, because 
there's so many more great fighters now too. You know, back in the day you had to struggle. Now there's so many great fighters out there. So like there is in boxing, which is why you can have a weight class every two pounds, you know, and fill it and fill it. Well, and and I also look at, you know, you've got people like Kevin Gastelum and Chemayev who fall in really in between weight classes. Right. Um, Gastelum couldn't make 170, but he could have made 175. Right. And that dude at 175 is an absolute beast. Yep. Absolutely. And you see that in boxing. And then it it creates more of that cross appeal of bouncing around weight classes. Yeah. Here and yeah. there, um, and having super fights and things that you know things of that nature. But yeah, somebody like Kevin at one seventy five would just be that silly. That, yeah, that's a dude I would love to see at one seventy five. It, it wasn't you could you know the weight cut to get to one seventy was killing him, and I feel like one eighty five, even though he is highly competitive. Um, he gave Izzy all he could handle at yep. 185, but that reach it's and still stuff really big, got to yeah, that yeah, that's what really got to him. Yeah, the frame just doesn't work. 175, his frame works and his power works great, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'd be fine with any of those, but definitely like the 205 to 265 to me is insane. Um, yeah, that's too much. So it just takes away from all the bigger guys. There's a lot of bigger guys that are 200 plus that are trying to get down. I would definitely like to see 185, 200, 200 to 220, and then 220 to 265 would be at least. Well, you could even, or you even could even do two. Yeah, or and why not do 250? Your cutoff for heavy, and then over 250 be super heavyweight, and then you have people like Mark Hunt and others. Yep. That would be at that 260, 265, maybe 270 weight. So they're not super heavy, but they're not right. having to cut and and fighting at their natural weight. Yep, exactly. Interesting. Or guys like Derek Lewis, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Make weight at 250, that's a big boy. Or then he bounces up and fights a super heavy because he can knock out anybody on the planet regardless of their weight. So. Yeah, yeah, that... One of the funniest but and worst fights ever, Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis. That was probably the worst <laughs> fight I've ever seen. And they, I think they threw like, go ahead. They openly, that's why I loved it. I mean, I, that's why I, you know, you got respect Derek Lewis. He admitted it. He was like, it was a terrible performance. I know I beat him, but like I even heard him in an interview a while back being like, I don't even count that as a win, even though it is. Yeah. And blah blah blah. So you got to appreciate that. But they were both just so scared of each other's power. Ngannou's coming up. <laughs> You know, Ngannou's coming off a loss. Derek Lewis is came from being freaking an inmate to now making big money and setting his family up for life. If he beats this guy, and now he's a you know heavyweight contender, even more so, and in the big money. So they were both just they just kind of fought with all the outside stuff in their head, and um, yeah, yeah, terrible fight. It was a terrible fight. It was definitely not representative of either one of those guys' talents, but they had so much respect for one another, and you know, yeah. You know, but it was that was terrible. Yeah, I'll give that. Yeah, you, you you could tell they were both like, all right, we can knock each other out with one punch, so we got to be very careful. We got to be very careful between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I've got. Is there uh, anything you want to talk about real quick, or add, or any sponsors you want to plug? 
Uh, definitely got to give Hunter's Gold and those guys a shout out. Because I will tell you, I I always said that like when I do sponsorships and stuff, I'm only going to do stuff that if I actually do represent it, that I actually enjoy. And I have legit wore those glasses on search warrants and had them adjust in the light and all that kind of stuff. So uh, Brian and them at Hunter's HC Gold, they do awesome, awesome stuff. And then, of course, the barbecue, that's, I mean... I'm from the South, so I got to be picky about barbecue. And Bobby, he uh, he gets the job done. That guy makes some – his sauces, I don't know if you've tried them. Um, yeah. He pulls now. Oh, man. Yeah. I just – actually just sent him a text earlier. I was like, hey, you need to get some more out to me, bro, because I'm eating all this, like, <laughs> this, like, bland, crummy food that I am not a huge fan of to go down to 205. And if you don't send me barbecue sauce, I'm going right down the road to the nearest – barbecue place and getting a bunch of fatty nasty whatever but it'll taste delicious so if you it's i love those two guys uh and their products because it like i say it helps me in the both of them you know brian's not just outside of uspsa it's helped me in the professional world you know if you like i say i just used them on a search warrant the other day and uh and then when we talk about bobby you know, I will definitely, because I do not like strict diets. I like to eat. I don't want to be a bodybuilder. I have no interest in it. I have so much respect for how they diet, but I'm not going to do that. But so my, my secret lately has been making a bunch of bodybuilder-esque food and just mixing in some of his barbecue sauce and his different products to actually get some good taste so I <laughs> I can stay on my diet. So Yeah, I he's from this area up here where I'm at, and... So all the major matches up around here, he's always there. So I, I thought it was awesome. I don't know who came up with the idea for him to do nationals, but that was long overdue because mm -hmm. that guy does it right. Because I, I remember my first nationals, you know, they ran out of food at the banquet and stuff and everything. Yeah. And I was like, man, we're sorry to run out of food and stuff. You are not going to run out of food when, when Bobby – is there cooking with his family and it's, it's all family run, you know, his yep. wife's a supervisor, um, with customs and border protection. So he's just there, you know, they're a great family all around and you will not run into food. I remember after production nationals leaving and seeing them loading stuff up. I'm like, how much food do you bring? He's like enough where I know we're never going to run out no matter how everybody can have seconds and take some home with them. So, yeah, I think he even posted, they even gave some away to local, like, um, food places for yeah, they went the homeless right and and donated all the food they had left before they headed back yeah. home to Maryland. So, yeah. yeah, that was awesome. So it's awesome those two guys. So, but yeah, those those two guys are great, and I definitely need to get on the search and uh, find an ammo company because yeah, you can <laughs> do. Uh, I am now realizing how many rounds you shoot when you're actually trying to be competitive in the sport. I underestimate. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So if you're an ammo company and you're looking to sponsor somebody, JR is looking for one. <laughs> yeah, definitely give me a call because I said, I used to be like, oh yeah, I got a thousand rounds. Like I got ammo for forever. And now I'm like, God, like I just was in there today after I got done the range this morning uh, at the office and I'm like, Oh man, like I only got like twelve hundred rounds left. I'm, I don't even have enough for the end of the month. Like I better get on an order and stuff now. I'm like, man, things have really changed on that that aspect. So yeah, for sure. Mm. Well, Jr., thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. it's been a great conversation.
Yeah, absolutely. Look forward to coming back. Awesome. I, I look forward to having you back on. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs>